you know, there's probably some misconceptions that a lot of people have about Las Vegas, and I think one is probably uh, prostitution. Introducing The Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mike Carroll and International VP Mark Solomon. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Carroll, International President of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. Welcome to today's podcast. I am with Mark Solomon, our International Vice President. Mark, how are you doing today? Mike, I'm actually doing great, feeling great, excited for our next podcast, and uh, looking forward to interacting with this next guest. Yeah, Mark, you know, I'm thinking we've probably done probably about 25 episodes, and uh, just kind of reflecting back on all our guests that we've had in the past, um, the outstanding guests, uh, what they provided, what they do for our members, but for the public, they're all very great individuals, and they have a great heart. And what they're there for and what they do is to protect our citizens. So, Mark, why don't you introduce our next guest? I'd be happy to. He is a 10-year veteran of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and holds the rank of detective and is currently assigned to the Financial Crimes Unit for the past three and a half years. He's a certified fraud examiner, a task force officer of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, as well as a task force officer with the U.S. Secret Service. He specializes in investigations involving financial forgery labs, as well as identity theft, check and credit card fraud, SIM swapping, embezzlement, and racketeering. I'd like to welcome to the show, Detective Mark Evans. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited. We're so excited to have you here, Mark, and uh, we appreciate what you're doing out there. So if I could ask a real quick question, I know Las Vegas has a, a nickname called Sin City, so it uh, sometimes <laughs> implies that there's some issues or problems, but it, it is a great city, too. I've been there a number of times. But can you tell us a, a little bit about how you got involved in law enforcement and, and what you're doing currently? Uh, sure. So, you know, I grew up in Las Vegas. I'm not originally from Las Vegas, like most people, but uh, I lived here my whole life. And one thing I always wanted to do is once, you know, I got to a certain point is give back to my community that I grew up in. And one of those ways was to get into law enforcement. Um, I figured that was probably one of the best ways I can do it. Um, I can reach out to so many different people and, uh, and network in a way that no other profession allows me to. That's awesome. Now, we appreciate that. Hey, uh, Mr. Solomon, I think the uh, podcast is over because I've heard whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So I don't know how much more <laughs> you could talk about. You know? But I, I do got to ask, though, you know, being a financial crimes detective, you got to see a whole range of different types of crimes. So how is it to be a financial crime detective in Las Vegas? Well, I can tell you right now that financial crimes that happen in Vegas do not always stay in Vegas. Um <laughs> And the reason being is because we're a very transient city, for one. I mean, we have people who come here from all over the world. They live here from all over the world. And you don't get too many locals that actually grew up here. And another thing is the tourism. So when we have, you know, the Strip and Las Vegas, what it is, a lot of people may come into the city and they enjoy the nightlife, but they go back home and they discover, hey, they've been a victim of some type of financial crime or fraud. So therefore, like I said, what happens here doesn't always stay here, unfortunately, and it takes people back to where they live. Hey, Mark, I got to ask you, as far as financial crime, what would be the number one type of financial crime? Is it like 
check fraud? Is it uh, identity theft? What would you say is the number one type? I mean, we experience it all here. I can say as a, as our department, um, but I would say some of the most we see is mail theft is a big one. Check fraud is another big one, as well as you know credit card fraud because we're a twenty four seven city, so our city never closes, and we have the strip, which is unlike any other city in the world. So these casinos themselves, you know, are in a way a financial institution. So since we have twenty four seven financial institutions, we have twenty four seven financial crimes. So, Mark, uh, I'm not too far away from the city that never sleeps, New York, and you're obviously in the city that never closes. My question to you is, obviously, there's um, a lot of gambling in Las Vegas, legalized gambling. Do you feel that there are certain criminals that commit these type of crimes because they have a gambling addiction? Yes, and I absolutely agree. I actually think that's one of the driving factors for financial crimes here in Vegas. You get a lot of people that come here and, you know, they they get that addiction where they, they win some money. And they think they can do it again and again and again. And once they lose that money, they turn to the next best thing, which is to steal money. And unfortunately, you know, they end up victimizing, you know, multiple people, but they'll commit check fraud, credit card fraud, um, any kind of way to gain upper hand to get that money back, to get back in the casino and spend it all again, hoping to win, you know, that big win. And it's an unfortunate issue that they have. And, you know, we do have resources here, you know, that, a company's dad to go through the courts, but it's after the fact. It's never like it's never really beforehand. Uh, so yeah, gambling is definitely one of the biggest factors to financial crimes here. Hey Mark, the um, criminals that you investigate are they are they local or are you seeing like an uptick in outsiders coming in committing crimes? So in my time on, a lot of it was local. Um, we did see a lot of our local people, and they were usually the same groups of people that would commit the the crimes. And I would say after COVID and we reopened, we did see a lot more people coming from other states um, and, and coming in and committing crimes and going back home. Because, you know, at that time, you know, everything's opening back up. Everything's brand new. People are going through new protocols. So it made it a little bit easier for people to come and commit financial crimes, especially with, you know, uh, with the mandating of masks and some other things where it made them harder to identify they just came here, committed the crime, went back home, and, and if they're not local, it's even hard for us to identify them. Mark, you know, one of the big crimes that, you know, uh, seems to be on the rise is identity theft in general, where fraudsters are getting people's personal identifying information. What are some of the ways that these fraudsters are obtaining personal identifying information of other people? I know a lot of people are afraid of, you know, the tech when it comes to like, you know, your digital footprint and covering yourself on that basis. But we see a lot of it from, you know, the old school type of crimes. We see a lot of identities, our personal information being obtained through burglaries, whether it be auto burglaries or home burglaries. Um, a, a major one, I would say, is mail theft. I would say that's probably one of the most common ways I see, especially at a local level, that the suspects are gaining uh, this personal identifying information of people. And it just makes it way easier. The methods that they have to steal mail just makes it even easier. But, uh, like, there's so many different ways to commit mail theft. I can tell you right now, between 90 and 95 percent of the suspects that we apprehend locally probably have stolen mail with them. Well, we do say uh, steal mail, go to jail. So I know you mentioned uh, <laughs> we've had some conversations in the past. You're working with the U.S. Postal Inspection Service in, uh, in Vegas on some of these types of crimes involving mail. Uh, yeah, we do partner with the USPIS here. I'm sure, Mike, you can attest from working with the Postal Inspection Service how uh, 
prevalent mail theft can be. But we definitely try to partner with, you know, our federal agencies, whether it be, you know, postal inspectors or Secret Service, Homeland Security, in order to help alleviate these issues. Well, Mark, let me ask you, how about with the hotels? Do you have a partnership with them? Do you work with a lot of the security from the main uh, hotels on the Strip? I know you mentioned in the past you have some meetings where you, you get together and share information, things like that. We absolutely do. Um, our hotels are, are completely on board with assisting us in any crimes we have. Uh, I actually meet with the hotels once a month, and uh, we discuss um, you know new trends and new schemes that are coming, whether it's from my end or the police side or it's from their end that they're seeing in-house with some of their systems. Um, I know that the hotels are definitely trying to keep up with you know the new technology and new ways that people are able to access money, whether it be through check machines or um, credit cards at the tables. There's various ways that the schemes will evolve with the hotels, so they're definitely trying to alleviate that problem as well. And Mark, I got to share a little personal story with uh, the Las Vegas Police Department. A number of years ago, I had a, 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 a what? Well, no, it wasn't me. I wasn't. I didn't get in any trouble. I swear, this is work related. I had a a fraudster. I I literally arrested eleven times for identity theft. Um, this guy was just a serial sociopathic fraudster, and his problem he had a gambling addiction, and and he loved to fly out to Las Vegas after he got arrested or get out of jail. And uh, he wound up failing to appear in court. So I reached out to your uh, fugitive squad, got a tip that he was at a hotel in Las Vegas. And man, within 20 minutes, he was in custody and flew out there a week later to bring him back to Connecticut. So, you know, I really want to commend your department. They were awesome to work with and uh, just really did a phenomenal job on the case. So, you know, it's it's a hard job. It's uh, I'm sure, you know, you guys must be going nonstop with reports, of financial crimes, cyber crimes. How busy is your unit? So my unit consists of around 20 detectives. And so I'll tell you kind of how busy we are. And each detective probably carries a caseload from maybe 20 or 40 cases at a time. Wow. And those are just the detectives. We also have some civilians who assist us with the with some of the financial crimes as well and their caseloads are just as big if not more and so with that like so with that being said you can tell we're, we're pretty busy uh we're pretty active and it's mainly because our city is a 24 7 city i mean we can get a call at two o'clock in the morning you know whereas other cities you know they may not have that experience because you know banks are closed our businesses are closed you know nine ten o'clock at night Hey, Mark, I love you, but don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning, all right? Let me sleep till morning and call me in, all right? <laughs> I wish I could tell the hotels the same thing. <laughs> hey, Mark, can I ask you, uh, of all the cases you've worked, do you have a significant case that you, you could tell us about? Yeah, actually, I can. Um, actually, I wanted to go into probably like a case study with this at some point, but this was a case that I had very early when I started with financial crimes, and... This case probably involved a gambit of different financial crimes. So it took me, it started from mail theft, simple mail thefts, right? And what that led to was every other crime you could think of. And how it started was basically simple mail theft and somebody got a hold of a check. And unfortunately, that checking account had a significant amount of money in it. And from that, I ended up tracking the suspect because ironically, the suspect was using the, they were using counterfeit checks to make purchase at a grocery store. And every time they had a purchase, they used their reward account number. <laughs> so <laughs> I was able to track them down very easy <laughs> with that in mind. 
But once I started looking into the suspect, I started identifying a whole lot of other things. So I found that not only were they using the counterfeit checks to you know buy groceries, they actually were purchasing vehicles um, using a combination of things. They were, they would use the counterfeit checks along with some fraudulent documents that they would doctor up to show uh, like proof of residency uh, when they made the application to using another person's complete identity for the credit check. So once it cascaded from that, I discovered that they were not only forging checks using fake IDs, they had an extensive amount of mail theft. And it led to me going after a suspect who was making counterfeit checks from nothing, probably one of the best counterfeiters I'd ever seen. And that led to a fraud ring involving two violent gangs um, <laughs> and even some, some PPP loan fraud. But the biggest thing that I took from this entire case was all of it stemmed from mail theft. And even though I, I kind of had multiple suspects, all of them were committing mail theft. They had found different ways to make counterfeit keys, and they would break into every mailbox and business mailbox that you can imagine. And that led to me finding hundreds of, of checks that were legitimate, you know, hundreds of checks that were fraudulent, dozens of IDs, and it was a huge ring. So, but it, but it was super fun to work. I mean, I was doing surveillance every day. And of course, and being a new detective, this was exciting. And it just led to this, this cascade of issues. So I'm hoping to do a case study about it and, and really get more in, in depth with it. But there's just those little things that kind of built up on top of each other with financial crimes, you know, and with this case, it was like a big puzzle. And I was trying to figure out, okay, who's doing this and who's doing this? Uh, and that was super fun. Hey, Mark, we know you do a lot of work in different types of financial crimes because our last couple of podcasts, we talked about financial crime and gangs, and we talked about, we had Roy Dotson from U.S. Secret Service talking about PPP loans. So you do cover a lot of different areas and uh, just, you know, just mentioning that. And just to go back to what you were saying, you mentioned uh, with the gangs, do you see an increase with uh, financial crime and gangs in the Las Vegas area? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was maybe a couple of years ago when we really started to, to see this change happening. And we started working with our gang enforcement team and our gang investigation team. And they started noticing a lot of these, you know, gamers they were going after would have stacks of credit cards and IDs and notebooks full of personal information. And, you know, we started asking like, what is making you make the change? You know, cause traditionally you think violent gangs are doing the robberies and home invasions and, and things like that. But now all of a sudden they're, you know, sitting in a room with a laptop and, you know, making counterfeit checks. And a lot of them would start to say, hey, you know, well, it's a more lucrative business. And they're in the criminal sense that they would make more money. And there was, I guess, less of a punishment for it at the moment because it wasn't seen as a violent crime. It was seen as more of a property crime. Hey, Mark, I want to switch gears here and talk about people. Let's say people go on vacation, they go to Las Vegas, they go to New York City. What are some tips that you can give people that are traveling to try and avoid being a victim of a financial crime, a fraud, a scam? You know, what are some key uh, tips that you could provide to our listeners? Uh, well, first, if you come to Vegas, if something sounds too good to be true, then it probably is. <laughs> like the old saying goes, like if, <laughs> if someone's offering you a really good deal to go to a show and all they need is your credit card information, then you might want to double check that. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I would say <laughs> some of the biggest things that people can do is uh, I'm a big proponent of using my digital wallet. 
So I know like a lot of people use you know, the physical credit cards and debit cards. Um, I definitely use my digital wallet. So things like Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, Google Pay, those kind of things, if they're available, use it. And Nevada, I mean, Las Vegas is, you know, very tech savvy. So we have a lot of stuff in place already. Um, make sure they keep their IDs in a place where they can, you know, maintain it. Um, there's pickpockets and, and people drop their wallets or they sit them on a gambling table and they forget about it or they're at a bar and they sit their wallet next to them. I would say definitely, you know, for the guys, keep it in your front pocket <laughs> if you can for the, for the women. Hold on to that clutch of that purse a little more tightly. I'm not saying everyone's going to be a victim, but you do want to be a little a little cautious about it. Um, Even with, uh, like, women uh, wearing their purses, like, you know, not leaving it hanging on your shoulder. I've seen people carry it where it's, you know, uh, on their neck and in the front of them, so it's harder for somebody to grab or steal. That's definitely smart. I mean, we have, like, a lot, a lot of nightclubs here. We have a lot of them, and that's one of the biggest places where someone can be victimized for their wallet being stolen because you know the ladies are out on the dance floor or you're out in a very crowded you know venue and people are bumping against you at all times and you may not feel someone going to your purse or into your pocket and you don't think about it but you know after the fact you get home you're like wait a minute where's my you know my id's gone or my, or my credit card's missing yeah so definitely be aware of your surroundings and if you can monitor your credit report, because when you go back home, the last thing you want to find out is, hey, someone bought a new car, you know, out in Las Vegas <laughs> in your name. Hey, Mark, is there a specific scam that a, that a tourist should be uh, aware of in Vegas? Uh, we have seen some like the timeshare scams going on here um, to where, you know, they're promised, you know, hey, we'll get X, Y, and Z. You can stay, you know, here or there. And a lot of times those people aren't with the timeshare company. They're, you know, someone who's out walking the strip and they feel like they can just, you know, they can trick somebody and, and talk them into it. And, you know, of course, being the Vegas and the city of lights where, you know, <laughs> everything's bright and you, oh, that'd be great. I can come back here anytime I want. And they, you know, they go back home and they realize, wait a minute, this is not, you know, a legitimate business or company. And someone just took my credit card information and emptied up my account. So that's, that's one that we see. And identity theft is more prevalent with the the strip at our hotels more so when someone's like trying to check into a room using a fake id that's probably the biggest extent we see of identity theft here is the fraudulent room rentals can be a big problem as well yeah mark uh, i mean uh, mr solomon got caught in a scam we were in vegas together he scammed me you know he said mike give me 50 dollars <laughs> we'll play blackjack so he says i know how to count cards so i said okay so i gave him 50 we sat down there after the first uh, deal i go oh, what's how many cards he goes 52 what the heck? <laughs> uh, all right, never mind. That was hey, he told you the truth. <laughs> Mike, Mike will be appearing at the Bellagio next Thursday. Yeah, two so, shows, uh, yeah, two shows. <laughs> so. Hey, Mark, I wanted to. Um, when you told me that story, I, I'm just so glad you shared it with our audience today. Here about how you took us. Uh, you know, it seemed to be a simple case, uh, one incident or a couple incidents, and then it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and gets bigger. You know, I call it the Pandora's box of fraud. And it's like when you, you know, turn over that rock and you find one thing, you find four and five and 10. And, you know, this is the thing that probably frustrates you and me is that some people look at financial crimes like, ah, they just stole a thousand dollars. Well, it really isn't. It's probably 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a million dollars, but it's a matter of connecting all these cases and all their crimes together. And, uh, you know, how successful is your unit in doing that and following those leads to bring it to a big investigation? 
Uh, I would say our unit is very successful. I mean, we work with many different departments and resources that we have available to us. So, and it's the same way you, you consider opening a Pandora's box. We call it Alice in Wonderland going down a rabbit hole. And you can keep <laughs> going down as, as far as you want. And there will always be something else. And so we, our unit works really well together. And the reason being is communication is key for us because a lot of our crimes with financial crimes, they'll cross over. So you have one suspect who may be, you know, committing one type of fraud in one place, but that same suspect is committing a different type of financial crime or fraud in another place. And sometimes a lot of our cases will overlap and it will overlap between two or three detectives sometimes. And it's because of those resources that we have internally, um, as far as, you know, connecting and speaking with each other, we get to identify, hey, wait, this person is doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Let's all put this together and see if we can work this out. And sometimes it crosses the federal threshold or we work with our federal partners with Secret Service and, you know, the FBI cybercrimes unit. And it, it just messes really well. So the training that we do with our unit is, I would say, is top notch. We try to train for every different type of crime. I mean, we have guys who will, you know, specialize in counterfeit money or someone who's really good with counterfeit checks and someone who's really good with, you know, re-encoded cards and someone's really good with identity theft. And we all speak in and bounce ideas off each other, like, hey, you know, do you have a resource or someone I can use to, to go out a case in this way? So our, our department is really well established in that. Well, Mark, a lot of great information. Hey, but I, I do got to ask you this. Where do you go to have fun yourself? I mean, you're in Vegas. Uh, if you're going to go out at night, do you, do you visit the Strip? I mean, do you go to the shows or do you have a, like a neighborhood you hang around with your friends and things like that? So I go to the strip uh, every now and then. I'm not I'm not too big on going out to the strip. Once you live in okay. Vegas, it's not the same flair as right. when you come and visit. Exactly. Um, but I, I will go down and see a show every now and then. Um, I will go down and you know visit a bar or something, and you know with with my wife. And uh, but for the most part, I do a lot of things that most people in Las Vegas probably don't do. Um, I try to stay outside of the the strip, and I'll go you know hiking or um, nice. We'll go down to the lake try to do different things that Vegas has to offer. I know like we have like Mount Charleston, which, you know, a lot of people don't go to, or we have, you know, the, we can go race cars and go down to the speedway. Um, now we have your big sports town now. So you know, now we have the football team and the hockey team. So I'll go see like a, a sports event too. So it kind of keeps me, away. I mean, I have to go onto the strip for that for the most part, but uh, I try to do things that, you know, most people who come visit probably don't know what <laughs> what's out there. Yeah. And Mark, uh, some further tips I was thinking too. What about people leaving their personal belongings or valuables or IDs in their vehicles and then also in the hotel rooms? Uh, do you have any tips for our listeners if they're traveling, whether it's to Las Vegas or anywhere, uh, some good advice that you know they should do with those items? Uh, if they can, definitely hide those items. I know there's some places you can go to where you know you can't take every item with you. I mean, if you can take your IDs and credit cards with you, definitely have them. But if you can't, Hide them somewhere in the vehicle, um, whether it be in the glove box, lock the glove box, lock it in the trunk. I know even some vehicles have a button to where you can't even open the trunk unless you press a specific button. Mm -hmm. So definitely don't have those items visible because we're a very transient city and down the strip, it's very busy. There's, there's huge parking garages and parking lots. And the last thing you want is someone to you know walk past and bust your window. I was actually a victim of that one time. So <laughs> that's definitely one thing. As far as leaving any items in the hotel room, if you can, you know, you can use the hotel safe at times. Every hotel room, I believe, for the most part, has a safe within the hotel room. I would definitely utilize those. 
Uh, and if you can, you know, don't leave everything sitting out if you do leave your room. Unfortunately, there are people who will go around and, you know, check doors and try to push a door open or, or pry it open and get into the room and get your belongings. So if you can, you know, hide that stuff. And then as soon as you realize something is missing, make a report, whether it be with, you know, the hotel staff or, you know, the local police department, which is us, make that report ASAP. And the faster to make that report, the faster we can, you know, try to get that video footage in the hotel and see if we can identify who, uh, who the perpetrator is. I love it. And uh, Mark, I want to, if we have any criminals listening to the podcast, we better not. But if we do, there's cameras all over the place in Las Vegas, right? So, I mean, if you're going to commit a crime, it's probably <laughs> going to get caught on camera. So go somewhere else. Am I right? <laughs> this is not the place to commit a crime. I'll tell you right now, <laughs> we have, we have literally, that entire strip is covered in cameras and they're everywhere. There's not a place you can go on a strip that doesn't have a camera available. So, yeah, if you come here, you you better, you better hide pretty well. <laughs> or Mark and his team's going to get you, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll come find you. We have, <laughs> we have our resources, and our hotels are pretty good at communicating with us. As soon as something's you know, going wrong, they contact us right away. So, Mark, I know uh, Las Vegas is known, like I said, we've talked about it, Sin City. You know, there's probably some misconceptions that a lot of people have about Las Vegas, and I think one is probably uh, prostitution. Is prostitution legal in Las Vegas? That is absolutely false. So, yeah, prostitution is not legal in Las Vegas. And it's funny, you know, we talked about that slogan earlier, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. They actually came out with a new slogan not too long ago, and what happens here stays here. Um, That's not always true if you're trying to deal with a prostitute. So what people think they come here to Vegas and they see all these signs and these, these escort panels and billboards going up and down the strip. Uh, no, it's definitely not uh, legal here. Now, are there places outside of Las Vegas? That's a different story. Um, but here within the city of Las Vegas, no, it's absolutely not. But um, there are some things that come along with that. So for I would tell those people who come here and think that, you know, hey, you're going out and engage in those kind of activities to so definitely be, be worried because you can be arrested for those activities and you become a victim of one of those activities, whether it be a victim of a financial crime or a violent crime. Um, We have seen some people who will come down and they think that, you know, hey, well, there's actually prostitution going on. Maybe it's legal. This is something I can do. And they found the hard way that, you know, that's not always the case. Uh, We have seen some cases where, you know, some prostitutes will rob some of these these victims or, you know, they call Johns. And, you know, they'll convince the Johns, you know, hey, hey, let's go up to a room and, you know, we'll have some fun and, and do some different things. And what ends up happening is they get up to that room and, you know, there's two or three guys in the room waiting. And they end up, you know, being robbed, whether it be at gunpoint or just, you know, some kind of violent encounter. And it's an embarrassing thing. Like, how do you, how do you tell someone, hey, I got robbed and this is, this is why, this is what happened. And so those are definitely some of the things you want to avoid. Yeah, Mark, is that what they call uh, trick rolling? Is that what that yes, is? Absolutely. Yeah, so a trick roll is they, they call it a trick roll when they said a prostitute will find, you know, find the guy to, you know, take back up to a room and, and say, Hey, you know, we're gonna do this and the trick of it is is that they end up not getting what they thought they were gonna get and they end up, you know, losing their wallet, being beaten, you know, stripped of their clothes, whatever it may be. And it doesn't always happen, you know, this doesn't happen like on the strip itself. This could happen in, you know, many other types of hotels. Like we have the smaller hotels and, and motels that are off the strip. And, you know, sometimes some of these, these prostitutes will, 
you know, asked this, this person, Hey, let's go down to this motel six that I have, you know, this way down like the South end of our strip where it's not close to anything. And they get there and, you know, they go into the room and like I said before, either, you know, they could be robbed or, you know, it could lead to like a financial crime. Let's say, you know, they, they're in the room with this girl and this girl somehow, you know, gets a hold of his wallet and takes a picture of his credit card, takes a picture of an ID. And that information can be used, you know, for later purposes for some form of identity theft or financial crime. Yeah, yeah, you don't even think about that. That's interesting uh, that, you know, it takes a simple picture of the front and back of a credit card will give you enough information usually to make a purchase online. Uh, it's very, yeah. If you have, you know, you have that, that front 16-digit number with the expiration date and that three-digit code in the back, I mean, you can make a purchase anywhere. And especially if you have a copy of their, their license, now not only do you have, you know, that person's name, date of birth, address, um, ID number, it makes it that much easier. And, you know, some people will leave Las Vegas thinking, oh, you know, I'm fine, you know, nothing happened, I'm good to go. And a couple months later, you know, they're looking on their credit card or their, their statement from their bank, and they're seeing that they're, they're missing thousands of dollars. And now they're wondering, hey, where did this happen? How did this happen? I have no idea when someone, I have my credit card with me, so how did someone use it? Or I have my ID, how did someone use my ID? And, and those are things that people don't, don't think about. And a lot of times that leads to our cases where, you know, I'll get a call from someone in the state Chicago or New York and they say, Hey, you know, I visited, you know, three, four months ago and, you know, I've been a victim of this. How did this happen? And, you know, sometimes we have to ask that hard question. Like, did you meet any, you know, <laughs> anybody at a hotel room? Um, and of course that's where it gets a little bit, you know, they may not want to say that, but yeah. you know, those things happen. Yeah, Mark, you know, I think it's a little odd. You know, you're walking, you know, down the strip, and uh, you'll see individuals that will hand you a card, you know, to meet somebody. And I just thought that was odd since prostitution is illegal. That's what it seems like the cards are for. But those must be part of the whole ring where that group tries to recruit people, and you got your prostitutes, and you got your johns. But I just find that odd that they're, they hand you cards as you walk down the strip. Yeah, I know the strip really cut back on that. Um, I know they, they used to be all over the place. Like, you wouldn't be able to walk down the strip without stepping on these cards. Right, right. And they really got a handle on it, and they cut it back. There are some people who go out and hand, hand these cards out. And the cards, of course, will have, you know, these, hey, there's this is an escort, and call this number for a good time tonight. And I know, and then people see those cards, they think, oh, they're handing these cards out. It must be legitimate. Same time, it's a prostitution is not legal in Nevada or in Las Vegas. Uh Definitely be wary. Yeah, you're right, Mark. I was there a couple months ago with the IFCI. We attended the International Association of Campus Law Enforcement Administrators. They had their conference, got to meet Mitch Wilson from Henderson PD. We did a presentation, but boy, Vegas is back. It was crowded. Uh, the strip was packed, so people are coming back. I thought, you know, I haven't been there in maybe about six years or so, and I thought with all the gambling nationwide, like here in Illinois, we have the uh, gambling machines. They're everywhere. I mean, they're in uh, gas stations. They're in 7-Elevens. I mean, I went into 7-Eleven to buy a Slurpee, and I, I accidentally hit the machine. It cost me $40 for the Slurpee. You know, just they're, they're all over. <laughs> That's an expensive Slurpee. That's <laughs> <laughs> expensive Slurpee. But I'm just saying, yeah, like, gambling's nationwide now, and, and uh, but it's not uh, stopping people from going to Vegas. It's, it's back. Yeah, Vegas is just... It's, it's special. And, you know, it, it's a place like no other place in the world. I mean, you come here and you have the most entertainment, the, the most restaurants, and 
it's just if you whatever you really want to do here to enjoy yourself, you, you really can. You can come here and see a show. You can come here and go to a lake. You can come here and eat at and eat and enjoy every type of food, you know, that you want to enjoy. It's just a very special place that no, I think there will never be another place like Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, Mark, I just wanted to bring up a point too. we talked about prostitution and the John and how they could get victimized. But, you know, I also want to bring out to our audience, you know, not every prostitute is involved in human trafficking, but there is definitely a link between human trafficking and prostitution. So for another reason, we don't want people going to Las Vegas and, and try and engage in that activities because there are uh, men and women out there that are being trafficked sexually. And, and we've had guests on our show previously uh, bring this point out. And I know it's not your area of specialty, Mark, but I just want to point out to our audience that, you know, we don't want to see people engaged in this, whether it's the John or the prostitute or a person that's being human trafficked because, uh, you know, it's a horrible crime. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, we don't want anyone engaged in that kind of activity. Not every prostitute is involved in human trafficking, but you never know uh, what the case may be. And with, with that being said, you don't know who that who that person is. You don't know what's happened to them. You don't know what happens to them behind closed doors. You know, if it's being forced or if there's some kind of drug habit that's involved to help them get through this process. Yeah, I would say for anyone to not even, you know, attempt to engage in an activity because you never know um, what's really going on. Right. And Mark, I got one last question, if that's all right, is since there's so many casinos, sometimes we know criminals will go to casinos to take illegitimate money or dirty money and launder it. Um, does your unit investigate that? And are you seeing that as a problem, too, where criminal assets are being laundered through casinos? Uh, we have seen that. We do work closely with Nevada Gaming Board. So that's another thing that's really unique about uh, Nevada and Las Vegas is that gaming board because they deal with everything that has to do with those casinos and gaming. Any gambling, they look into it and they look into the things just like, like money laundering. Um, I know for, for those who are out there listening, just like you create a SAR or suspicious activity report when you go to a bank and you know they have that $10,000 transaction, that same thing happens with the hotels and casinos. You create those same SAR so that that does link to you know what goes on with you know money laundering and to give an example, I've seen, you know, someone come to a casino and they'll buy a bunch of chips with cash and they'll sit at a table and they'll buy, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of chips and ill-gotten funds. And, you know, they'll go gamble, you know, five or ten bucks and then they cash out and it looks they make one to make it seem like it looks legitimate. So yeah, so you definitely do see some some money laundering going on in Las Vegas. Yeah, Mark, you know, when I was there about six years ago, I, you know, I had a $10 coupon and I went into one of the hotels and I cashed it out, but I walked out the door. Is that wrong? Can I get in trouble for not spending that $10 at the casino? I just want to make no, sure. No, absolutely not. I mean, okay. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> I, feel bad. No, I, don't think, I don't think for, I think for 10 bucks, I think you're good. <laughs> um, Mark, Mark, I will but, pay you to do an arrest warrant for him right now. Please, please lock him up. <laughs> Yeah, the nigga tell you the next time he's in Vegas, all you gotta do is when he walks to a casino, give me a call. I'll, <laughs> I'll head straight down there. <laughs> I will. I will. I will tell you my Vegas story. I was there six years ago with the wife. We went and saw the Rat Pack. You know, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, D. Martin. So we got to the mm -hmm. door. You know, I wanted, I wanted, to, you know, impress her, and I gave the guy twenty. Can you put us close? He goes, you know, they are impersonators, right? <laughs> I knew that. 
He goes, you can sit anywhere. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah, we got some really good impersonators out here. Some people you'll never be able to tell. Like, hey, wait, this, you know, we got a Michael Jackson impersonator. You think he's still here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, Mark, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for what you do and, and protecting the city of Las Vegas. And, you know, our listeners are out here are really uh, so blessed to have you on the show. We appreciate you coming on. Be safe out there. Keep fighting crime. You know, when I hear your voice and you talk about this, Mike and I can feel that passion that you have for what you do. And we we greatly appreciate all the hard work and efforts that you do day in and day out. So thank you. No, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you inviting me over the show. And, you know, I, I look forward to what comes, you know, in the future. And if there's anyone out there that I can help, you know, prevent from being a victim or prevent them from further victimization by, you know, by getting a suspect in custody. I'm all for it. So um, I'm all about getting the information out to help people in this in this field of financial crime. Well, thank you, Mark. And you mentioned it now. You said you would, wouldn't mind doing a presentation. So we're going to book you for next year. I know we got our conference coming up pretty quick, but next year we're in Tampa. Love to have you there doing a presentation on one of your great cases that you've worked. I am all for it. I will be You're there. In. If you send me an invite, I'm there. I'll buy my ticket tomorrow. We're coming to Las Vegas in a couple of years. Uh, actually, yeah, our conference is there in two years. Conference is going to be there, yeah. so it'd be great. We'll get to see Mark again. All right, Mark. Well, thanks for uh, being on the show, brother. Thank you, Mark. For no, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Hey, Mark. What did I say when we started the podcast? You know, great guests throughout. Detective Evans, Las Vegas PD, another great guest. How about it? Uh, it was great. You know, just to get a bird's eye view of you know, financial crimes, fraud in Las Vegas. And, it, you know, this is not just happening in Las Vegas. This is happening in a lot of different states and cities. So, but to see somebody on the front line and seeing him and his team combating these crimes was just awesome. Yeah, we talked about our goal with the podcast, you know, provide education to our members, which he did, and then a service to the public, which he did. He talked about, you know, guarding your valuables, uh, you know, keeping your eyes and ears open when you're in Vegas. And I thought he did a great job on that. Yeah. Even like, you know, saying if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I mean, we've well, had that came from guests. the post office though. That was our line. It sounds was too it? good to be right, true. Right. It probably we'll we'll give you guys credit. Uh, he plagiarized, I guess. I don't know. I don't think so, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was awesome. And you could feel the passion, you know, behind that man. Exactly. And, you know, he loves what he does and, and, and to come here on his own time and, and speak to our listeners, uh, we're grateful. And, uh, we hope our audience, uh, has enjoyed another podcast full of information hey mark where can you go to listen to our podcast you could go to www.protectorspodcast.com or you could go to any one of the major podcast outlets itunes spotify google they're, they're all out there you can find us just type in ifci presents the protectors and it's going to bring you right to us we want you to come on board let's join the fight fighting fraud all these scams that are out there, we all got to do it together. So please listen to our podcast. and uh, Not only listen, subscribe. We want subscribe. you as part of our family uh, in this podcast. So if you like it, leave us a comment and subscribe to our podcast going forward. All right. This is Mike Carroll in Chicago. We're signing off. Hey, guys. Mark Solomon from Connecticut. Thanks for tuning in to another podcast, and we'll see you at the next one. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. 
To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guests' opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.